greatest now Flipping like somebody made it now I know they hate it now What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. It's Ball and Barrel. You'll notice that it's a little different because it's not Thursday. It is Wacky Wednesday, and I wanted to dress nice a little bit for the occasion. I am in the presence of, uh, uh, um, I guess, uh, I don't want to say my lawyer because I technically don't have you on retainer, but a lawyer, so I wanted to just show just an upstanding citizen part. My good friend, Mr. Colin Rosser, is joining us on this very true crime special edition. Colin, how are you, good sir? Tell the listeners a little bit about your background in law, where you got started, how you got started, and just you know, give us a little bit of a background of how you got into everything, man. Yeah, sure. I like the dinner jacket, by the way. Got the. I was going for circus ringleader, but we'll definitely I, stick with the. Uh, we'll stick with the dinner. I, don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know if it's like Hugh Hefner or Men in Black you got going on. I don't know what it is, but it's. <laughs> I don't have shades or beautiful women around me, sir. I, I really wouldn't mind either of the two. I hear you. Uh, no, I'm glad to be on, man. I've been hearing all the other folks talking about it. I'm just glad to help out because I know you guys have been working hard on this. So it's just something fun to do. But uh, it really is, man. Yeah, no, I'm, I went to law school at Ole Miss. Uh, went to did undergrad at actually Mississippi State and Tennessee. So I kind of got a went all around the SEC. Uh, and then I just uh, pretty much ever since being a kid, I've had it in my head I was gonna be an attorney because I mean, my father was an attorney. I'm actually who I practice with, he's my law partner. So I just kind of grew up in it and. I don't know. I guess I was always hardwired to go into the practice of law. Totally makes sense, man. I mean, uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Colin and I grew up together. And uh, ever since I've known him and his family, they have just been all about representing the law. And it only makes sense that uh, Colin just carries on that tradition. And as he, as he was saying, uh, he's been jumping around all the SEC. I mean, it's that's why I was just kind of, uh, I, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I was intrigued that Colin – didn't want to choose the egg bowl week because I feel like we would have had a ton to really just go about. But then again, um, it was his idea to actually put it out in the poll to uh, just see if we wanted a true crime special, which of course we definitely got a ton of feedback with. And so that was Colin's bright brainstorming. And that is what's led us to right well, now here in the moment. Well, it was more or less just I, I, people hearing my opinion on sports and everything, they'd probably be like, well, this is the most boring episode they've ever had. Uh, <laughs> being a being a Tennessee Vols fan, born and raised and went to Tennessee uh, for the first part of undergrad, I just I, – I probably would – when coming to picks and everything, would not be very unbiased in when it came to stuff, which also when we discussed this, Tennessee – at the time Het was not expected to have the season that we've been having here lately. So it's just no, sir. So I guess my negaval was a big reason why I didn't want to talk about college sports at the time, but I'm eating crow and enjoying it. Well, at least if it's deep fried, Colin, I kind of feel as though where we grew up in the region that if you deep fry anything and maybe throw just a little bit of salt and pepper to taste, it's bound to taste pretty good. Uh, me personally, I'll throw some uh, Cajun spices on there to get a little spice going. But hey, it's as long as it tastes good, yeah. Colin. It doesn't matter if you eat it, as long as it yeah, tastes, it tastes good. like chicken. I'm sure. But, but yeah, man. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, 
in that regard, I mean, my, most of my practice is I, I'm a general practice attorney and I do, of course I do some divorces and custody matters and, uh, I do wills and estates and things of that matter, but mm-hmm. probably 90% of my practice is criminal defense. And so that's probably where if I, people want to ask me questions on that, I can actually give them instead of what do you think about the spread between Michigan and Ohio state when it's going to be coming up in a few weeks. And I'd be like, I just, Michigan money line. I just, I just hope it's a good game and hope Ohio state loses, but Michigan money line. Yeah. What, I mean, let's see if uh, Harbaugh can do it again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the name is Colin Rosser. That is Colin with uh, just one L. You can find him on the Instagram and definitely hit him up in the DMs with any of your law-abiding questions. I'm sure he would uh, – I mean, he's a busy man. Uh, pretty much just with our initial conversations, just back and forth, he had a lot going on and even just uh, grinding in the uh, the late hours of the day as well. So Colin is definitely a grinder, but, he again, he's busy, but he'll get to you when he can. Well – Colin, I was super excited about this episode, especially when you brought it up uh, to me back in the, um, I believe back it was in mm. July when we were just kind of just going back and forth. Yeah. Because, uh, um, ladies and gentlemen, me personally, I don't know if you really know about that. I mean, most of the listeners that know about this, uh, for the new listeners that don't, uh, I'm sort of a true crime junkie. So I really, um, like, I listen to serial killer podcasts every single day. Like, uh, every single day I learn about a different serial killer. I learn about, you know, uh, certain, you know, terrible acts of violence, whether it be organized, disorganized, it really doesn't matter. So, you know, stuff like this just really intrigues me. Not to make friends with these individuals, Colin, and new listeners, just so I'm not scaring you off too completely, but just simply just to study, you know, really just kind of analyze, simply just kind of doing what we're doing right now, just kind of talk back and forth, just to get a feel of the person as to what led them to such a heinous act, especially as if they're taking another lives or multiple lives, like some of the people that we're going to be discussing, you know, here in just a little bit. But man, I mean, again, I'm super excited about this because it, you know, it, it just gets my juices flowing because it's, Colin, just from the a psychological standpoint, it's fascinating because again, like there are certain milestones that people take, and there are certain patterns of behavior and just ways of, I guess, just shaping an individual to, I guess, just perform the final act, whether it be you know murder, kidnapping, rape. Uh, you know, uh, aggravated assault, like uh, just like whatever the case may be. Just you know, it's. Again, I don't want to be friends with these people. I just, I, I guess I like the analysis part of that. Does that make me crazy or does that make me just seem like a little bit more curious than the normal no, person? No, just, I mean, well, none of the individuals of, of course, I'm assuming we're going to be talking about crime involving sports figures and scandals and of that yes. nature, but no, so none of them have really ever been serial killers, except maybe I guess you could consider talking about Kellen Winslow, who was a serial rapist or I know, excuse me, Darren Sharp, or who was a serial rapist. Yeah. Uh, Kellen Winslow was a rapist, but his was just rant like towards the end there in 2014, he just started doing these random acts of violence and kidnapping and they bring that back to mm-hmm. where it was possibly maybe some linked to CTE. Um, 
I did see that too. But I mean, serial killers, they just, I mean, they just here lately, I guess it kind of just started with when they released the Ted Bundy tapes uh, on Netflix a few years ago. I mean, it's just a either Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy. I mean, they're they're, they're swinging for the fences, Colin. They're trying to get everyone interested and at least like, all right, let's get let's get the well-known names. Let's get the big names and let's. You know, let's give the people a little bit of an insight of why, like people like me, find this so fascinating. Well, uh, the only way to describe it is just because it's it's the unknown. It's it's like our modern day of seeing werewolves and vampires and things of that nature. Well, it's the real thing. They're real life monsters, but they're human, and they're committing these horrific acts. And it's just, I guess. People in general like to hear a story. They like, uh, whether it's back in the old days, reading Dracula or reading Frankenstein, but in this time it's the media and everything's there and everybody wants to hear about these horrific acts. And I mean, the sad thing is, is even though these are horrible acts where this is real life, real actions happen, real people, real people. And, People still consider it like it. There, it's intriguing. I mean, I don't know what it is about it, but you, you hear all the time somebody's like, "Oh, if I get jury duty, I, I hope I don't get stuck on something boring like a DUI. I hope I get a murder case." I mean, yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, well, I mean, you, you you probably definitely hear that way more than I do. No, nah, I, I mean, mean, I'm just. I don't I think. Mean, I've heard it a few times where people are saying, yeah, I got, I got on jury duty and I got stuck on a dumb DUI instead of something cool like a murder. I'm like, well, I, I mean. The victims don't think it's cool. The, Family no, don't think it's I mean, cool. That, and that's one thing that, uh, that has been brought up, which I agree with, is everybody gets excited about these serial killers and everything. But when they bring it back up, those uh, victims' families have to relive that. And and the people have to remember these are real acts that happen and that this is not TV or made up fiction. Right. But nevertheless, there, I mean, people are at least that is the trend right now. True crime is the going rate. I mean, or what people are interested in. You're right. And that's why this episode, it just seemed like, yes, we're going to just, you know, have to just, you know, implement the sports app, but it's, we're implementing, you know, kind of like what people are intrigued with right now. So, I mean, Colin, me personally, um, do you know who uh, John E. Douglas is? Does that name ring a bell at all? Mm, uh, may have to refresh my memory. I was gonna say you have a you forget more stuff than I'll probably ever remember. So I know you have a lot working in your head. So pretty much, uh, he's just a he's just an old FBI oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. agent. That now he's an R- Douglas. Yeah, dude. he is. Yeah. So pretty much, he is uh, the guy who yeah. pretty much is the godfather of what when the FBI started uh, profiling serial killers. He's he yes. and his colleagues are the ones that. They're the ones Mind Hunter is based off of. Uh, if you've ever seen, I love that book. I, I, I love the book. Another one is, uh, and kind of what you're already kind of alluding to. It's uh, the killer across the right. table. Like that's his more. 
I think that's like 2018, 2009. Like that's one of his newer yeah. books. Uh, another one uh, that's good is uh, Journey into Darkness. So like, yeah, kind of like what you said. So Mindhunter, Journey mm-hmm. into Which Darkness, and The Killer Across the Table. The show, his work is what the Netflix show Mindhunter was based off of. Uh, he's Yeah, and it was in- astounding. It was He's incredible. the guy that pretty much uh, went and did things like to go interview serial killers in prison to go catch other mm-hmm. serial killers. He is what the concept of silence of the lambs and red dragon of the FBI agent going to see right. Hannibal Lecter to go catch Buffalo bill or the tooth fairy in those books and movies, that whole plot line of that concept that's re- based off real life of him Real stories and well, real cases. Yeah, or inspired yes. by them. And he is the whole where where all that came from. And yeah, no, he's the godfather of what started all the criminal profiling with the FBI and pretty much turned the FBI mm-hmm. in a new direction. It really did, Colin, because it really, it really started to just t- uh, take more of a, all right, let's just do more of a, physical kind of like let's just get everyone just completely you know jacked up or just kind of just you know ready within a tactical standpoint it 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 went it went against the grain colin so like the behavioral science unit they just simply um or the behavioral analysis like whatever the the actual department is uh we'll just say behavioral Mm -hmm. psychology department and so they pretty much just did everything as far as a uh you know um uh, behavior uh, with the mind is simply with uh, data and analysis and uh, anticipatory behavior, or even just kind of just certain steps that uh, a certain, um, I guess, uh, perpetrator was going to be following. So they just went to it. It was like, all right, well, instead of just like catching these guys and just trying to just hopefully, you know, just simply just catch them and just get them on going, let's get a step ahead of them. Like, let's actually just like get in, like, you know, take it from their perspective, really just see it from their view and actually anticipate their next move. And that way we can really catch them and even catch them in the act for that matter. So pretty much when Johnny Douglas was just kind of just describing within like simple steps of just following, you know, signature style moves or really just kind of just uh, following within certain people of interest or also, again, we talked about certain patterns of behavior. Colin, we say a lot on this podcast, if someone shows you who they are, believe that. Like they, 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 again, they are showing you who they are as an individual and Colin will actually just move right into that. That that'll be a, a phenomenal segue to our very first segment, which we're going to just talk about just, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk a little murder. So just, we're, we're going to be swinging for the fences right off the bat. And it's really hard to think sports and murder and not associate the late Aaron Hernandez. So, Colin, I'm just going to just talk a little bit about what I just read and just pretty much what I've already seen or, you know, what's been reported, whatever. I'm just going to give you just my red flags just by him in high school and then by him in Florida. I don't really need to talk about the the Patriots and the NFL. I think that's already been said. Just, ladies and gentlemen, just bear with me with these certain events that this young man had to deal with. So, Colin, in high school. Abusive father, unstable household, bad influences around him, homosexual thoughts, and his father's death. Colin, that's just high school. And that's just any 16, 17-year-old just dealing with all that. And, you know, he's not in an environment to really just kind of just help him 
just talk about any of those, you know, thoughts or any of like what's kind of just going on in a healthy way. He's spending a lot of his time at his cousin's house, again, all around those bad influences and just those dangerous people. Um, I'm also told that's when he started, um, like his father passed away and then he just started smoking weed just excessively, like just like a lot of weed. I didn't know how much, but a lot. And then um, Colin, next thing you know, um, he starts getting recruited by Urban Meyer, which I think now Urban Meyer has his own na- narrative, which we don't even need yeah, to he's get into. I will say this coach. <laughs> FBI, we do not mean that. That he just said that out of jest. He said, "What's in that? What? Yeah, what's in that too? Because is is it water it's or is water. it special drink?" I got, I got court in the morning, so. That's true. Yeah. Again, you're a busy man. You can't be drinking like this, degenerate. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm actually sipping uh, just before we get into the the the, the Urban Meyer shit. Uh, now I'm sipping on a little bit of the Whistle Pig uh, piggyback. Actually, the uh, the six year uh, new Bussin' with the Boys edition that just came out yesterday. So, uh, cheers to Bussin'. But um, so Colin, this actually plays a little bit of right on brand okay. with Urban Meyer. So I dug a little, I dug a little deeper. Turns out that Aaron's high school, they're looking back in, you know, hindsight now, they actually didn't want him to graduate early, but it was Urban Meyer that was kind of strong arming the administration building to let him graduate early, let him take these, uh, these other courses at uh, Santa Fe Community College and just, you know, go ahead and enroll early as a student. So that, that, that already plays into uh, right on brand with who Urban Meyer really is. And, you know, and now he's actually in Florida. So, Colin, you, you've read the reports. He's getting in fights with clubs. He's, um, it, uh, well, I mean, just that. And not only that, he was a, a suspect in not only one, but a double shooting. Like, he just, it just seemed as though what happened in high school basically followed him his entire life. Like, Colin, it just seems as though the only thing that ever changed about Aaron Hernandez throughout his entire development was his address and his net worth. Everything else stayed exactly the same. And, you know, that's also why I I love Johnny Douglas, especially from a psychology standpoint. I mean, it, and, you know, we, we've all probably seen the documentary or the um, or the intense intense discovery or whatever that was uh, that show was. And it really just showed, man, that all it really needed was just someone to really just just hear him now. Don't. It, you know, if you have homicidal tendencies, those just don't go away. Mm. And especially with with what he had as an aggressive standpoint from Gainesville all the way to um, to the New England Patriots. And it's funny, Colin, because I actually read a report saying that with the New England Patriots, they're saying that, you know, now and someone who's been with them, they said the worst thing they could have done for Aaron Hernandez was draft him because the fact that Boston was so close to Connecticut and everything else was just so close that they almost ruined the kid. So. You know, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about his pro career. Everyone already knows about that. But, I mean, just from your standpoint, especially from a defense standpoint, you know, I mean, you, and we'll, when obviously the big key figure we'll talk about here in a little bit, you'll really, you know, uh, slam the ball, especially with what, what you were telling me earlier. But, I mean, just, Colin, take me in that conversation. Like, you walk in, Aaron's sitting there. You know, it's, it's just kind of like what we're doing right now, you know, just like Johnny Douglas's book, you know, uh, the killer across the table, just 
take me to that conversation, man. Like just what, like just br- bring me in that. What moment. to say to a client when they've, they've been accused of murder. Yeah, man. Just like, just whatever, you know, just picture as if like you're actually just talking to him and like, even like, you know, we already heard the reports that he was already pretty calm and that he was already pretty stable, even in a, a, the environment of, you know, the jail that he was in. But I mean, Colin, something like that, you just don't just, I mean, (laughs) you you know, you, you know, people like me and a few others that have been like set in that type of it, you know, in, that room, like it's, it's not, it's not a calming I, room. I, I don't think you've ever been in the room where you've been accused of murder. You wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. No, 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 nothing like that. But just enough. The, to, shena- the, again, the that, that room is scary. In, a, in, in high school, that don't, that that I don't that don't count. But we'll we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Uh, but. <laughs> No, I, I mean, it just really depends on the person. I mean, I, you come across and, I mean, not every person that's been accused of murder, you're not walking into the table and someone cold and collected like Hannibal Lecter or somebody's not sitting across the table. It's 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 weird. You can see somebody that has been charged with murder or has committed murder and it could be somebody you sit there talking with them and the odd thing is it could be your someone you think my gosh this person's like my grandma you know uh, it's nor normal like normal as can be how are <laughs> you charged with murder i mean it's just it's weird uh how but as a defense attorney it's part of how you because people ask they say to you, how can you go defend somebody that has committed this heinous crime? How do you sleep at night? Well, it's it's, and then it's just the cliche. I mean, maybe cliche, but it's. Yeah. May the force be with you, Mister Rosser. I th- those people. I'm but so. Just, mm, you're well, you're just above all those of, people. And I, I mean, you, you get you get say it's you like, got a job to do. Like you just you got to do, and then two. Yeah, too, like you got a job to do. I mean, that's probably the most important thing. Everyone has the right to an attorney and a right to a defense. And it's just a matter of, in the end, also, it's it, it may be cliche, but it's true. It goes to the fact that I would rather a hundred guilty people get away than one innocent person not, because there is there are plenty of instances where there you find out there there have been people on death row who did not do it and that's wrong. Uh, right. Like I said, I just, and it's on the state. It's their job to prove guilt. And if they don't do it, then that's on them. Uh, then so, so that's just, yeah, that's their loss. A matter of, well, you didn't do your job. So this guilty person may be getting away, but that's how the system goes. Uh, it's not a perfect system, but it's a, it's one, the best if, I mean, it's one of the better ones, if not the best in the entire world of it works most of the time. Like it's not, no system's going to be perfect and we should always work to try to make it better, but right, it's great in the fact that you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, which means even it, it means even if there is just 1% chance that they are not guilty, you have to find them not guilty. You know, if it's like it's it, the burden is 
it has to be, if there's the slightest chance they didn't do it, you have to find them not guilty. And that's the beauty of it is that it puts a lot on the state to get a guilty conviction. They have to prove a lot. Um, yeah, they have to make sure that no one has that 1%. Like everyone, it's a clean slate. Like n there's not even a, a, a another even like conversation but, outside uh, of the walls. Going back to the original question, how is it? what do you do in that situation where you walk into a room and you're sitting there with somebody accused of murder? And I just saying it, they come in all shapes and sizes and personalities. I mean, someone like Aaron Hernandez, I mean, it's going to be is – is he den in denial that he did this? Which you come to also find out that Aaron, when they did an autopsy on him, it turns out he was riddled with CTE in his brain. Yeah. And there was also the, the I mean, the documentary and then other stuff that has come out about him that he may have been a closeted homosexual and struggling with that. And that may be why he killed himself. I'm not sure if that's why. I mean, maybe the CTE probably had a lot to do with it on why he committed suicide. Also, the fact that mm -hmm. he may have lost hope that he was going to be in prison the rest of his life. You know, uh, I don't know. He had a lot of highs and lows in his life where here's this guy. He's at top of the world in the peak in coming into the peak or if he wasn't already at the peak of his career. I mean, if he would not committed this crime, he would have won a few more. He would have won some Super Bowls. Uh, I mean, Pro Bowls, another one, I mean, two contract see, extension. He, I'm looking. He wasn't, he didn't get to be, he was not on any of the Super Bowl teams, was he, with Tom Brady? No, he wasn't. I think, uh, I think when he got yeah, arrested, I think that's when they went to the Super, Super Bowl. Bowls. I mean, if he had just, it's just dumbfounding to folks that you have somebody they have they're at top of the world. I mean, they he's he's made it. He's in the NFL. He, made it. he is catching passes from Tom Brady. He is sitting right next to Gronkowski. All these guys playing. I mean, you got learning I mean, under Bill Belichick. Belichick as his coach, and I, and then he just throws it away. And it's over stuff of whether it was he was disrespected or this guy had ticked him off, or then I've read somewhere that it may be he found out he was bisexual and he didn't want him to out him. I don't, I don't know, uh, but we'll never know something like that, Colin. Like we, something like that, bro. Like the, and it's kind of like it really goes like what we were like taught like growing up. You literally never know what someone else is going through. Like you never know what's behind the curtain until they unveil it. And, you know, like, with, I mean, with him, like, especially like calling like where he came from and like, you know, the environment that he was in, the fact that you're able to, like you said, like make it into the NFL, you're catching passes from or catches passes from Tom Brady. You know, you're playing, you're playing, you're basically playing with hall of famers and. Oh, I mean, he is, he's playing. That again, Colin. That that's why I said the only thing that changed about Aaron Hernandez for his entire career yeah, was no, his net worth and his address. Yeah, Everything well, else stayed also, the same. It also goes with another cliche that it's a cycle. You can't. You got to break it in that cycle, and that, that I mean, which there's some truth to it. That I mean, there's just 
some folks, they just grow up in an environment that it breeds crim- criminality or not all. Not, um, not all. Are, I mean, just there not are all, plenty not of all. Like, yeah, if you're able to overcome your environment, that congratulations. That is, is not it's easy. It's just like when you see uh, in a lot of things, I see a lot of times where you have example being gang related things where it's a rite of passage. They grow the, the these kids grow up in the gang and they go and I'm talking you see sick they can be as young as fifteen to twenty one years old committing murder and it was to get into a gang and you see it and it's just it makes why yeah, to be accepted. You You've just thrown your life away. But I mean it's just part of that lifestyle and sometimes you can't escape. I mean, it's just, you can't escape it. You, it's that mindset. You grew up in it. And that's probably with Aaron is he grew up in a rough area. Uh, Mm -hmm. he grew up with, with not having a father figure in his life, uh, cause his father passed and dangerous people are all around him. It is, (laughs) 101 uh about how this that can occur and it's just a matter of uh like you can't take a guy out of the country but or you can take a guy out of the country but you can't take the country out of the guy uh but (laughs) i'll tell you someone else who's um who's really just kind of ruined their life and really just uh really met a mark and that's uh that's who we were talking about uh, earlier old oj so Colin, what you said earlier, man, was perfect. I kind of really like, as we got off the phone, I was like, man, like, I know I told him I wouldn't put this conversation on the internet, but if there was one part that I would take away, it was definitely that dream team talk. So uh, I don't know if you remember all of that, especially just from your uh, defense attorney side, Colin, break it down for me. The dream team, the strategy, like, like the Cochran, you know, layup that he got, like just like yeah, like again, that was perfect. If you could just like reminisce that like word for word, that would be incredible. What are we talking? I mean, but when we got the John Johnny Cochran uh, with his Chewbacca defense, which is a great, <laughs> which is a great uh, segment from that was made up by South Park and everything, but but which which is now. Showing how long South Park's been around, they—it's actually now that is considered a, a legal term about the Chewbacca defense. Uh, but I mean, the Dream Team. I mean, OJ—he had. I mean, you just go down the line. You got he had Johnny Cochran, Robert Shapiro, Ethley Bailey, oh, Alan Dershowitz, about Robert, Robert Kardashian. Even though Kardashian was kind of just his safety blanket, I mean, you're you're that you're, was more of a showmanship. You're, he, he took uh, a lot of heavy cases. hitters in that were really Cochran, Ethley Bailey, Dershowitz. I mean, Shapiro, right? He did his stuff, but I mean, he was more Johnny Cochran took over. I was going to say, wasn't Johnny Cochran oh, yeah, like the main Shapiro. heavy hitter with that? Like just when it all, like Shapiro. when the dust settled Shapiro and everything? initially was the lead attorney on it. And then they realized they were going to have to go in a certain direction with it. And so they got Johnny Cochran, who at the time was famous for being a civil rights attorney and taking on the 
LAPD mm-hmm. and a different thing, uh, different where they were violating uh, people's civil rights. And he was like, that was Johnny Cochran's. Right. He, but he was very charismatic and just very good at what he did, especially in uh, closing arguments and, and cross-examination. But then you had, I mean, F. Lee Bailey, which he, which, I mean, if you're not privy, he's got his uh, baggage he has in his time and everything, before, which I think, I believe he's, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, he's dead now. You're a good lawyer. When you, when you calculated, uh, you calculated, F. Lee Bailey, you're a good lawyer. I mean, he's dead now, but I mean, you know, he, he got, uh, oh, well, F. Lee Bailey was the one, he was a uh, attorney for, Albert DeSalvo, I mean, or if I'm pronouncing that correct, DeSalvo, who was AKA the Boston Strangler. So, I mean, that's where he got his. And then right. uh, he was also the attor- attorney for uh, Captain Medina, who was in the Malay Massacre and over in Vietnam. So he's had a ton of high profile cases and he was on this. But, you know, F. Lee Bailey mm-hmm. was the one that took it. Went and really pressed it when the on the OJ Simpson's uh, case where you had Mark Furman, who was their uh, head investigator on it, who was their star witness on investigating it. Well, Effie Bailey is the one that trapped him into it. Ask him, have you ever used racial slurs? He says mm-hmm. no. They bring him back as a rebuttal witness because I mean to rebuttal it because they have a vit, I mean tape of him dropping racial slurs describing uh police work and everything and yet and then he goes and next thing you know they have him on there they show he's about he has perjured himself and to not get him in further trouble he starts invoking the fifth amendment right and that's where the next thing you know once he's invoked the fifth amendment you can ask him you shot JFK too didn't you I plead the fit. I, I plead. <laughs> One, I plead two, three, the four, fit. Yeah, I mean, that's where they're just they're asking him all types of questions. Like you planted evidence on OJ. You did this. You did that. And all he could do was plead the fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they, they trapped him in his own lies. If he had said, I mean, but they didn't want to have their star witness, who was investigating an African-American football player, I mean, famous African-American football player in the LAPD, you know, they've had their history with uh, having mm-hmm. par- play- places where they have committed raci- racist acts and things or violated people's civil rights. And this is, keep this in mind, this is also just a few years removed from the Rodney King incident. So tensions were high in L.A. at the time. Especially, I mean, across the oh, across the racial barrier, really high, and like the riots. And like, so, I mean, it was just you got that. You had Mark Furman is one. He perjures himself about had he ever said anything. I mean, any racial slurs of this nature. And then F. Lee Bailey goes in for the kill. You then have the DA's. I mean, the DA's had everything they needed to convict O.J. Simpson. They had DNA. They they had blood everywhere. They had blood on the Bronco. <laughs> they had his right. DNA on Thank the you. scene. You had proof and receipts showing he had bought the same the gloves, the knife, the same type of knife that right. the, that 
the investigators had said this is the type of knife that was used to kill uh, Nicole and Mr. Goldman. They had everything. But they did. That's where reasonable doubt comes in. And Johnny Cochran and the Dream Team, <laughs> I mean, F. Lee Bailey, he places in there, you've got the lead investigator is a racist, has used racial slurs, and talking is on tape, talking about committing, I mean, uh, during his investigations, uh, racially profiling guys, referring to defendants as words we cannot say. I mean, I mean, so you have that. You have DNA was kind of brand new at this time, and you had two experts on the dream, dream team yeah, where you had them just, just yeah. <laughs> not sealing off the crime scene properly. They're not using gloves at the right time, and all this stuff where the DNA is now they're saying the DNA has been contaminated. How that DNA is not good? These blood samples have been contaminated. Uh, or contaminated. And so there you have right. more reasonable doubt. Then you throw on uh, where the DAs get cocky and they pretty much fall into Johnny Cochran's trap of getting them to say, he'll try on the gloves. You've got these leather gloves, these <laughs> fine leather gloves that were one sitting out in this, the heat of the night in the summertime of June of 1994, mm-hmm. they were covered in blood. I mean, I don't know uh, how uh, humid it gets out there, which I'm, I'm just thinking about uh, what a summer is like here. I would say, I don't think it's anything like that, Colin. I think their summers are maybe like low 90, but I mean, I, 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 their heat index is nothing like I'm ours, but I'm pretty sure it's still gets pretty humid out there. On the, or anything that, so all the elements that are on this glove, these gloves that are sitting out there, they're, one, they're covered in blood. They take them and they go and sit in an evidence locker uh, for months before they are finally pulled out to be shown and displayed, I mean, entered into evidence at the trial. So these leather mm-hmm. gloves have shrunk. You've got to think what these gloves are not in the same condition. They were the night that the murders were committed. There's also the theory and the, the, the rumor that OJ stopped taking his, uh, medication for his arthritis and his hands swelled up and, Right. I mean, that, 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 that's what I was, yeah, right there. That, that's, that, that's the one that I always love uh, hearing people talk about, debate about. It's, uh, Colin, oh, is yeah. there I mean, some legitimate got, legs to that? I mean, or, I mean, it's known that OJ, I mean, his hands oh. took a beating. He was one, I mean, I mean, oh, he, yeah, was, he was, he's he one of the physical back. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, and, I, and he didn't wear gloves at the time. One of the, one of the, one of the funny things of, uh, one of one of Dave Chappelle's stand-up uh, specials, where he's taught he in his special, he's talking about the different times he ran into O.J. Simpson, and I just thought it was funny is the when they were talking about it is he says he's sitting in uh, I think Be- a restaurant in Beverly Hills, and 
he says OJ Simpson walks in and everybody's just looking and that OJ Simpson comes over and recognizes Dave Chappelle from another time they met him. They had met and he shakes his hand and that uh, Dave Chappelle's sitting there with a bunch mm-hmm. of, of folks that are trying to pitch him new ideas for every, uh movies or just new g- jobs, whatever, whatever. I mean, Chappelle wants whatever. Yeah, he's the man. Um, and he, he said, I can't believe you shook hands with that murderer. He's like, with all due respect, that murderer ran 11,000 mm. yards. <laughs> I mean, so it's just, I mean, you know, OJ is football's king. He's, football he's, in, is he's king. in both college and pro hall of fame. <laughs> uh, they didn't take his highs away. Granted, they took Reggie Bush's away, but they didn't take OJ's away. I mean, I think, I think they, yeah, apparently, yeah, that's, that's uh, if you sign some autographs, that's your, worse your than uh, being a murderer and, uh, suspect. And but, yeah, I mean, they should definitely give Reggie yeah. Heisman back. And just like they should let Pete Rose in the damn Hall of Fame. Um, but You heard it here from representation, yeah, I mean, ladies just, and gentlemen. You know, that means the, it's true. Guys on the Astros are still eligible to get in the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose needs to get in the Hall of Fame. But – but I mean, so it's just pretty much the I'll tell you, yes, state, the state of California. In that, I mean, the DA's office—they had everything you needed, and they fumbled the ball. And, and theoretically, John—I mean, or metaphorically, uh, Johnny Cochran and the Dream Team scooped and scored. <laughs> uh, you had, yeah, they—they they completely, yeah. That, that's that's a Michigan. Botch punt, Michigan State. No, it was, it it's exactly like it's a game they, winner. Like it's the DA's office. They fell into a trap of, and all you can say to that is, well, there, there's reasonable doubt. Um, there is, and Johnny Cochran and the gang just they and the guys they just did great defense work. Uh, I mean, that's all it is on that. And you got you go and find out that there were just some people on the jury after years after and once they the trial was over, just talking about that there were some they were not going to convict OJ. They just were not. Uh they were I mean, like I said, Rodney King it's, came back. I mean the how that trial went down where those officers mm-hmm. getting acquitted, it came back to bite the state. Of uh, uh, the DA's office in that sense, because it was fresh in their minds, and then you had some. They're like, they just didn't give us that what we wanted to hear, and so there you go. Uh, is OJ probably guilty? Probably so. I mean, heck, I think there's a poll now that back then though it was pretty much straight down the line that African Americans <laughs> said that. He was not guilty. White people said he was guilty, but now a big divide. There was a divide. Now you fast yeah, forward. The time there was a huge like divide. Majority of everybody, both white, black, everything, say, "Yeah, he was probably." Yeah, guilty. but either way, it doesn't matter if he came out on CNN or Fox News tomorrow and admitted he did it. There's nothing they could do because of double jeopardy. Nope, that's just nothing changes. Nothing changes, but um, 
Well, you mean you already kind of uh, brought up a little bit of a point to my next segue point as far as recency bias. You mentioned Hall of Fame. You mentioned, you know, controversy about, you know, giving uh, Heisman backs or even just uh, letting Pete Rose into Hall of Fame. I'll tell you someone who was uh, in 2016, Colin, Mm -hmm. they were eligible for the Hall of Fame. And this hurts me because obviously it's uh, it's a former saint. But, um, you know, we're done talking about murder. Mm. Now we got to get into rape. It's really hard to not mm-hmm. discuss Darren Sharper. Now, ladies, if you don't, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who Darren Sharper is, Darren Sharper at time was um, he was one of the key components in the Saints' uh, defensive um, uh, leaderships as far as um, them on the way to the Super Bowl. And Colin and ladies and gentlemen, I'll read this off to you as well. So. You know, we talk about a pattern of behavior. We talk about how, you know, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. Colin, okay. listen to this. Which is not what the preface it. Darren Sharper is 2011. Bill Cosby. That's, yeah. That's yeah, and that's Bill being Cosby. nice. You know, just that's like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know if Bill was this. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll see what I'm talking about. So, Colin. 2011, that's the very first allegation. And then um, March, oh, I'm sorry, um, um, then February of 2013. Um, so, you know, kind of, or I'm sorry, March of 2012 was the one before that. And then February of 2013, these are all allegations already happening. Well, then Colin, and this is why I love reading about FBI profilers. This is what FBI would call the devolving stage. So pretty much when you're, you know, you're losing control. Like Colin, you can't fight the urges. You're essentially in a downward spiral. So listen to this. August of 2013 to what was it? All the way of January of 2014. So within a month of six months, this right. man had I mean, nine rape victims. I mean, the devolving stage, I mean, that nine. goes back to where. Now, granted, he's a serial. In this case, he's a serial rapist. Uh, I mean, the devol- it goes. Yeah, yes, but I mean, just like with know, that it man, it's just like it, it plays into it. I know he's go, not killing people, into, Colin, I mean, but it it's pl- just it, like towards the end, which is fresh in everyone's mind with the the the, the new. Well, no, this, but I was, exactly I was like this about wasn't too long ago. Jeffrey Dahmer here recently, where the show you got you got the show and the and then the documentary also, of his tapes yes. being released, but towards the end of his criminal career. I mean, it got to where he was killing people. Let, I mean, I mean, just getting there towards, I mean, he was doing right. it in like, short he, spans and he got, which, which that's what happens with all serial killers. And I guess in this case, a serial rapist is they eventually get sloppy because they get, they've done it so many times. They think I can't be yeah. caught or that, or yeah, I've gotten away with or it for this long. They do what, it what, why they, stop now? Or they keep they get sloppier because they want to get caught. Because sometimes they're like, I can't control myself. I'm a monster. I need to get caught. Uh, now I don't know about th- Darren Sharper. I need to get caught. I right. think his more or less was. No, dude he he was working his, for NFL Network. He was well. His more Darren or less Sharper is, was living a life before this came is, to light. He never thought he was going to get caught because of I'm this famous football player. I'm a Super Bowl winning football player. I'm my status. My 
I'm rich. I'm famous. I'm not getting caught. And, and you know, it's just you can only be a shithead for so what long. His, man. What his situation was, and plus, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, I don't think if there really was. I mean, of course, is he probably have? Uh, is he a sociopath or something like that? You have to be. I mean, to go and do, you have to be to be. You think yeah. I can't be touched, uh, and also to be. I mean, he was a public and figure, and he knew to, he to knew how to manipulate to that. Do and, this to you know, all these all women the, here and not feel any remorse for it. I mean, and to keep doing it. I mean, this was there has to be something there wrong there. But do I think he's like he, he's not like Kellen Winslow or Aaron Hernandez who had CTE that may play into their actions, but. His is just straight up. I think he just was a, just a bad dude, or I mean, which none of these guys are good guys, but he's just straight up just a bad yeah. dude. And <laughs> again, yeah, Colin, he was it, again. He, he Colin, he was he was on a major network. Like he was calling games. Like he was just he was hanging out with profession other like retired professional football players. Again, he was living a life. Like he, he was almost doing the same as Aaron Hernandez, except a, a, t- a totally different crime. Well, so like, he Aaron wasn't going to stop until he I, was I mean, gone. he just, I mean, he was a, he killed one guy, which maybe he shot at some guys in, down in Florida. But, and then there was the whole incident where he Boston, but he, I think he was, he, if I in remember Boston, correct, he was acquitted of that. So, I mean, yes, he was. That was more of a yeah. Alexander Bradley than so, Aaron Hernandez. You have these situations where their status, their power, and everything, they think, I can't get caught, which is like I just mentioned, Bill Cosby. I mean, Bill Cosby, which he's not a sports figure, he's an actor and comedian. But the influence, he can get away and do this. But the influence, goes to, the, uh, the Weinstein and all these. Famous people, they they all were even, yes, like, or oh, even Epstein God, or man. Epstein, however you pronounce it. Uh, well, I mean, it's just wealth and power that they think <laughs> I can't be touched. But it also goes to a lot of these individuals to get to that status. You have to be some sort of sociopath or psychopath to do that. Uh, I mean, it also goes to. I mean, there's also people comment on. Hell, probably everybody who's ever been the president of the United States has to have some uh, something wrong with flaw with them. I mean, to just do that to get to flaw. that highest status yeah. in politics. Uh, I mean, that, that's both sides, though. Not just not saying, not narrowing it down to any recent presidents. It is, just, yeah. Just that, that's yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, but that's just like, not, it, both sides have flaws, think, major flaws. Uh, I don't think anyone like Bush or any, or, or even Obama or any of them are like doing horrible crimes like this behind closed doors. But, uh, but anyways, now no. get, back, get out of left field. No, back nothing like this. I say you already mentioned Kellen Winslow. I, I, I would just go right into that and see. Okay. I guess, well, Colin, I'll let you take the lead. Cause you basically talked about Kellen Winslow. I will just say this. Based on his timeline and what I read into him, Colin, it seemed like once he got out of the league, 
and you, like you said, that like CTE may play a, a factor into that. I think that's just when shit just started going downhill for him. Like the, you know, with the kidnapping, the rape, the burglary, like all that happened within a span of like a year. Like pretty much like when he got out of the league and everything just started just getting completely eternally fucked right, up in his head. Right. Like that, he, that's when he fell off. In the which that, it comes to be that maybe CTE plays a factor in that. Is it a defense? I mean, I don't think so. It's not to the sense of, I mean, cause you know, I mean, Could that be an insanity it's plea? like this or part um, of an insanity plea. You go like usually how I have, how I'll give you a real situation of how this comes about. When you, when you get a client, you think that they may not mental, be mentally competent. One in the state of Tennessee, you have to want if, uh, unless you want to do it privately and privately, but if say, if you have somebody, they're indigent uh, and they get appointed to you and you have to, use state funds to rep I mean to get to help represent them they have to be charged with a felony to go and right. get you to have the state of mentally evaluated which I'm hoping that'll eventually get changed because I mean I can't tell you how many well I mean it's just yeah, felonies a are bunch pretty of times hard you see folks come into jail and they're doing the same crime over and over and over and it's something like public indecency or pu indecent exposure. Like the, the same guy is peeing in public and they keep bringing him in the jail, but the peeing in public is a C misdemeanor. Uh, meaning uh, it, 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 the most you can get is a $50 fine and 30 days in jail. They leave him in jail for a few days or the weekend, or even sometimes the full 30 days. Cause he'll, I mean, and you can't get them. You know that repeat offender. You know the, the guy. Repeat offender, fine. and you know all that other good stuff. And you you can't do anything about. It. I mean, it's, right. it's just it's just like there's there's a lot of things which I, I think they're they're starting to address it better. But there's a lot of things with the justice system, and which they're really doing well with addressing with drug addictions. Because I mean, nine, I can tell you, ninety percent of your crimes can be traced back to drugs. I mean, it's why, why did you beat this? Why did you steal this scrap metal? Yeah. Get drug money. I need, I need money. Why did you beat your, I, I need him. Yeah. I need money for drugs. <laughs> I need, right. I need money or, to pay the person it's like, that I got drug drugs money from selling. Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> why did you beat your wife? Right. Was really messed up on drugs or why did you go? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it stems, but they're doing better about math. that, and they are starting to address mental health. But, but here we go. So you, they have to commit, a, as of right now in Tennessee, for you get a mental evaluation if you're not able to afford private uh, representation, it, it is you have to have committed a felony. So, right. okay, let's say you've committed a felony. Uh, they send you somewhere and they get to, they first do evaluation to see if you need to go do a 30 day evaluation in a mental institute. They do that. Then you go to the 30 day evaluation. And then after that, they'll bring you back. And if they determine you're never going to be competent, then you just, the state, you cannot move forward because you're not competent. Now I tell you a lot of times I've met where I've come across people and I know there's okay. something wrong. And they, I, I'll be damned. They come back competent. 
I mean, or or I had the case where a case where a man was literally telling me all. I'm, I, I won't get into the details of his case, but I mean, he he gets it. He's but he's telling yeah, me obviously, yeah, like, obviously. I meet him. I'm hired to go see this guy. And he's telling me about the crazy things like about leprechauns and ivory growing on trees and things of that, things of that nature. And I'm like, okay, they no more. So I that- know where I know how I'm going to help this. <laughs> yeah. It's like my client where, you know, where you awesome. stand with this, with this, because uh, he's, he needs help. And so, you know, I eventually we get him mentally evaluated. They say he needs to go for the 30 day evaluation. He goes and does the 30 day evaluation. And then they determine he needs to be long-term. They keep him for almost a year. I think it was 10 months. And then they send him back and say he is competent to stand trial. And I'm like, why'd you keep him that long? It's, it's because you got Why'd they him keep him that long, you know, though? It's a, my theory could be, or, yeah, yeah, y'all, y'all pumped him with enough drugs. You probably evened him out. Now, but well, you probably, is, yeah. If you set it so as a day, just, you know, I mean, definitely you know, I takes the mind away. With it, but I won't. I won't. Uh, I'm not going to take up our. I'm not going to take up our podcast time to get into my <laughs> grievances, issues I have with our. I mean, I mean, I'm a big. Uh, I believe our justice system works, but I think there's a lot of. Well, it actually there's always room for improvement, and it's never going to be a perfect system. But it, it actually, there's always room for improvement. Well, but it actually. Yeah, no. I mean, Winslow and these guys, CTE, is it is it a good insanity defense? I don't know. The research, I think, is still fairly new. Um, I mean, but you got a case Cloudy like that. Cloudy and, and just guessing guy, at this point. I mean, what is it? I, I guess it will depend on the state and where how they approach mental health and the ju- their justice system. Um, I just know that there are plenty of people that have – schizophrenia, bipolarism and everything, but they can still be found guilty of a crime and not be used as a sanity defense. I mean, hell, Jeffrey Dahmer was eating people and sleep and sleep. Yeah. And sleep with dead bodies. Even claimed that he's fully sane. But yet they determined that he was saying to stand trial and be found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. I don't know. That's to me, it always seems mm-hmm. like I don't know what is insane and what's not insane. Uh, if a man eat, if a man eating people is not, he's not insane. I don't know what is. Uh, if my guy telling me that leprechauns are in his backyard and the police were trying to get the ivory and gold growing on his trees and buried in his backyard, I don't know what's insane. So I don't know if CTE is. It's just, I guess it's just hopefully you get, if you think they have a mental disability that the doctors will get, get the diagnosis right and save them from prosecution when they're not mentally healthy to be prosecuted. Yeah. To, if, to be competent enough to stand trial to assist in their defense or to be able to understand what they did. Or what they were accused of doing, if and consider, and can they determine? Do they know if it's wrong? So I mean, it's just I don't know. CTE is it's an I think it's a fairly new field. They're still starting to 
really dive into it, and which the which is a good thing because there's a lot of NFL players that have suffered from it and got you know ended up taking their own lives or or maybe in this case these two guys that we two of these guys we talked about committing heinous yeah. crimes or just losing everything and ended up living under a bridge when it's like you're a Super Bowl winning football player and here you are living in poverty now and it's not it's because they just lost their marbles due to this disease every bit of information we get Colin whether it be from cases studies scientific data it's key and I'm one of those big believers that information is key and it goes right into our last uh, uh, rape discussion and ladies and gentlemen this name will probably sound familiar from it just made him I mean I'm probably I'm just assuming it's gonna a, be about a, Brian Banks. Well, I mean, if you're if you're calling and I they just made a movie about him yeah yeah so they just made a movie about him but I mean like people like our age like it's like all right well, we remember this because like we it, it's, it's kind of hard not to remember this so Ladies and gentlemen, the very first thing I put in my notes with uh, with Brian Banks, uh, I literally just put tragic and period. And so in the summer of 2020, or I'm sorry, 16. not 2020, uh, 20 or 2002, excuse me. Yeah, he was 16 years old, already uh, verbally committed to Pete Carroll and the uh, the fighting Trojans in USC. And ladies and gentlemen, let's keep Reggie, in mind. This when Reggie Bush USC won his high, it's like heyday. It so to, to be recruited by Pete. Yeah. Thank you, Colin. And that's, the, I mean, he's right, ladies and gentlemen. He he is one hundred percent right. And again, again, this just shows you how big of a a person and how big of a at least player that the program thought he was. But unfortunately, a young lady accuses him of rape. He is facing up to uh, forty plus years in prison. And keep in mind, this is a 16, 17-year-old kid whose life has just completely just been turned upside down like he's in the upside down and stranger things right now just wondering what the hell is going on what is happening so he uh from what uh i don't know what the movie ever portrayed i haven't seen the movie colin so i can't really attest too much about that i just read just you know case reports and just it took from what a, i was just simply just reading the plea, plea deal, deal that he to took avoid um just gave him instead ex exposure and sadly enough, there's 40 a lot years of or the rest of his life in prison life. Yeah. You got, so that's not, I mean, plea deals can be great in the fact that it, I mean, it depends on the situation. Depends. It, 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 Colin, there are, I mean, you know, this just a lot better than I do. It, it, no, every I mean, case is got, different. Every situation is completely in that, different. Uh, in one, it's, I mean, it can be a double edged sword. They're great in the sense. Well, no, I mean, well, I'll, if you're strong armed, uh, so they're not deal, great. I mean, you're charged with, say, you're charged with an A felony, and the DA offers you probation to plead to a C felony. And I'm talking in, in terms okay. of Tennessee. I mean, there are different grades of their felonies and misdemeanors across the, all the states. Okay. In the state of Tennessee, you got A felonies, B felonies, C felonies, D felonies, E felonies, and then A through C on misdemeanors. Excuse me. Um, and then you got, well, first degree murder is in a class of its own. It's just M. 
I guess M for murder, but it's it's a class of its own. It's the only one you can get the death penalty, life without parole, or life in prison in Tennessee. But yeah, so plea deals are great in the sense of yeah. So they're great in the fact that I mean, in the grand scheme, it helps not because if we you didn't have plea deals, everything would go to trial and your courts would be backed up. And then a lot of times there's just stuff that doesn't need to go to trial. Your your client says, I'm guilty of this. I did this. Let's just get me a deal and let me get out of this and, and go on about my life. And a lot of times you'll have cases where the guy or girl, they it's the first time they've ever been in trouble before. And they get to in Tennessee, which they, I'm sure they have it in other states, but it's the diversion program where they enter the plea and, and then – at once they've put in their time on probation or their sentence and it comes off the record like it never happened and it gives them a second chance because, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. And so, you know, plea deals are great in that sense. Uh, it helps them avoid trial if they don't really don't need to be going to trial if the evidence or it depends on their exposure of you're looking at this. If you go to trial, they can probably prove this. If you go to trial, you could be looking at, say, 30 years in prison, but they've made you an offer that you can do a year in pri- a year in jail and then be on probation for seven years or something of that nature. Or you can go to prison for 10 years, and based on your record, you can get out of prison after you've served. You'll be parole eligible when you've served three years. So plea deals can be great in that sense, but... Then there is the other side of it where, uh, and this may be controversial to say because, I mean, some people like to think that uh, the DAs would never do this. Uh, and my fr- and I have friends that are DAs, and I, I hope they don't – wouldn't think I would – I'm insinuating they would do this or, or any of the ones I've come across. But it can be used as a, bu- a tool to bully people into taking a plea. Uh, if you don't do that, we give you this. If you don't do this, then you're going to West. I said the West Memphis well, three. West Memphis three, but they went to trial and were found guilty. And it turns out they, that was just, that was just unethical police work. And everything. I say, we don't even need to get into all that's that. Whole, that's a whole other Yeah. That's yeah. That hell, that's a whole podcast by, by, itself. by itself. Uh, but I, I mean, it could be the one things I get tired of. I see is overcharging. Like I, I, I mean, I can't tell you. You you look at things and it's like every single homicide. It, it gets to a pattern where every single homicide is first degree murder. I'm like, I think, well, where's second degree and manslaughter and other things? Where does that come in? I mean, because I'd be like. Well, this is first. I mean, how's that first degree murder? Well, they had a second to think about what they did. Well, that no, that you're telling me you give them a second, and that's a, now it's premeditated in that split second. I mean, that's supposed to be second degree murder, or you catch your wife in bed with another man, and you shoot this man. It's manslaughter, or it's supposed to be, or, or but you know, there's a lot of times of the, you get you see. Cases where overcharging happens, it's not overcharging. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it where cases go to trial, and sure enough, it gets thrown out in acquittal 
because as it should have, because it was not that charge. Or they get found guilty of the lesser offense that they should have been. I mean, I don't know why DAs or not all DAs, but why in those instances, why they don't just charge what you can prove. Don't, I mean, cut the crap of we're going to try to get them to take the deal or something of that nature and just charge what you know you can prove. That's the whole point of a plea deal. If you know they're guilty or you can prove they're guilty of second degree murder, then the plea deal should be offer them manslaughter or something. Or I don't know. I mean, that, that may be. Second degree, third no degree. Such thing as third degree, or at least not the state. Not, I mean, not. <laughs> there, this is the third uh, this degree. This is the third degree. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> there may be third degree murder in other states. I think I've seen where there is. But in the state of Tennessee, it's first, second. Then it goes into manslaughters and, and uh, negligent and reckless homicides. Um. But the more you know. I'll get off my soapbox on that that situation because we're here to talk about that. Hey, you got a platform. You got a but, platform. You, this is nothing but a but soapbox. I think he took a plea deal to, expo- to not get the exposure he had because his de- defense team, obviously there wasn't enough exculpatory evidence there to try, and it was going to be his word against hers, and there was something there, but then – he goes to prison for a little bit and then he's out on probation or parole and he's on the sex offender list. Football career is mm-hmm. been thrown out the door. Long, Long gone. gone. He, <laughs> Long obviously gone. <laughs> he did not get to go play for USC and he did not get to go play for the NFL where, I mean, I'm, it sounds like that's was everybody anticipated. He was eventually going to go to the NFL. Fast forward, the girl that accused him of rape, March of 2011. Facebook messages him and asks right. to meet up. And he goes and has a private investigator go with him. And he's recording the meeting. I saw that too. And she confesses that she lied about the entire thing. That he never raped her. She made it up. And the only reason she was not going to go to police to or to the DA's office to clear his name is because she didn't want to give back the money she won in the civil case against the school system. Cause that's another thing. The, she and her family sued the school system where he was, where he went to school where the alleged rape occurred and won in a civil suit or gotten a settlement. That was the reason. Yes. Because they said the school, that was the only yes, reason her reason was because she didn't want to have to give back the money, which she was award that they were awarded like 70, it was like $750,000 or something. Anyway, she eventually, when they caught that, they, the school went back and sued her. And I think they got it on, on yeah. a default judgment of her not showing up and sued her for the money back and punitive damages. I think they, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like $2 million, which is something she would never have because, hell, she – no, I mean, she had to lie about getting raped to get the money in the first place. So you have that sad situation where Brian Banks, who now uh, is a big part of the Innocence Project, which and as he should be, yeah, uh, get the lady. Her name was Juanita Gibson. 
Yeah, Juanetta Gibson. It says Long Beach Unified School District won $2.6 million judgment against Gibson for cooping the $750,000 payments paid to her along with attorney's fees and interest and $1 million in punitive damages. Oh. Gibson failed to appear in court, and I'm sure she has never paid a cent of that back to the school system, but yeah. I'm sure she changed her identity, shaved her head, dyed her hair, it moved to a country. I mean, Colin, she had to I go mean, away. I, which I don't have any sympathy for because <clears throat> she ruined. Yeah, you're right. She you ruined. She ruined like, you're a right. man's. I mean, his life's not completely ruined because luckily he was young. He's still young. I think he's only. Brian Banks is only thirty-seven, so he's only. Uh, I'm. Yeah, he's not even forty. I mean, I'm, I turned thirty-two at the end of the month, so he's. Six years older than us. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like we remember this. Uh, so, but it's still six years of his life gone because he spent in prison and five years on parole and being on the sex. I mean, it's eleven years of being a sex offender and being looked upon as he raped somebody. I mean, that's heavy. That carries. And that is where it goes into you have well, you have two situations here. You have the Darren Sharps and the Kellen Winslows that they do do these things. They hide behind their power. Yeah, they. But yeah, that's where I mean the. That's where you have these accusations of rape, that you do want to feel for. I mean, you do need to feel for the victims of rape because because it happens and it's a horrible. I mean, a horrible situation that you have, I mean, the murder being the worst crime because there's no coming back from that. That person's gone. Their life is taken. But then there's rape where that person, they had this horrible thing happen to them and they have to go on living with it. And it reminded. Constant reminder. And and it can't, I mean, that's where people are afraid to, they want to believe victims because they don't, they Obviously, they don't want rape to happen. They need to get rapists like they need to get murderers off the streets. Right. But a lot of times rape, it's his word against her word. Because a lot of times Mm -hmm. there is no evidence. Uh, There's not a lot of other people in the room. I'm not. Like, it's just. (laughs) just, Even with rape kits, sometimes there's just not any signs that there was any trauma or there's no. There's no. Semen samples or anything, and it's, and that's why you hope to think when people come forward saying I was raped, they're telling their the lowest point in their life, the deepest, darkest, horrible point in their life, and that they're being truthful about it. But then things like this happen, where this woman who the, who goes and uses exploits, exploits it. The situation and all and puts a man ruins his football career, puts him in prison and on the sex offender list for six years and eleven years respectively, and goes and gets it and sets back for people who are victims of rape, and sets it back to where you took this and use it as something to get uh, get money, financial, financial gain. gain on this. And here I am, a victim of actual rape, and people are just – it gets to where they say, oh, you're just crying wolf. 
And, and, yeah, and, that's that's a, that's an excellent and point. And then also, which a uh, example that happened here in the state of Tennessee is AJ Johnson at Tennessee, where yep. he had to go to trial. To, his football career was put on uh, hold, and it turns out he didn't rape anybody. Uh, it can be. I mean, it's another situation that you got, and then you go to like what happened at Baylor, where you had the institution where everybody were, they were covering up what was going on with the at, at, at with the football team, and eventually led Art Browles getting fired. Whether I can't, I don't think he if he really had anything to if he had anything to do with covering it up. I, I think he was more of the scapegoat. I could be wrong if you correct me I, on that. I mean, it, I mean, Colin, with that, it was, I don't miss, it's really hard to believe Art when he's saying he didn't know that was going on, going on because it was within a two-year span. And within that two-year span, yes, Baylor is experiencing some very major highs. But behind the scenes, they're also creating all these, all this criminal behavior as well. So, I mean, I personally, and Colin, this is just me. I have no insight on this. I have no nothing. This is just from a person of, just from a basic human being standpoint. He knew. Again, Colin, this is a two-year span. You're the head coach of a program that everyone just laughed at at one point. You get there, start winning. I think even your son at one point. Now, Kendall Browles is doing – he's doing well with Arkansas right now. But when he was at uh, well, Baylor, depends, depends. and if, if those reports that I – asked what uh, – having a, 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 a close <laughs> friend of mine is an Arkansas fan, apparently on the Arkansas boards and everything, the, the Art Bra- – I mean, uh, Kendall Browles is – Apparently not, not a big. Uh, people are not a big fan of him at the moment. I'm not. I'm not an Arkansas fan, so I'm not privy to it. But more probably because of play calling. I think that's more of a, just their situation than than uh, than past past occupations. But he's yeah, even no, not... on record saying some very questionable things that even he like knew about it. So you know, if if Kendall knew about it, then. Art definitely knew about it. That school officials says a time period from 2012 to 16 where school officials were suppressing reports of rape and sexual misconduct. I mean, did, I'm assuming this led to, I mean, of course you got. Art Browse got fired. Uh, Ken Starr, he was, um, I don't know if he was the chancellor or if he was like the actual the pl- dean. He was the president. Or he was. And then you. Okay, yeah, I knew, I knew he was a higher up official. He t- resigned, and I think Patty someone Crawford, else. Their Title Nine coordinator. Uh, oh no, I think she was actually new. No, like she like came in resignation. because. Oh, okay. I, all right. I, I thought I thought someone Kevin, new came in and actually like brought down the hammer with them, especially with Title Kevin Nine. Kevin Elliott was one of the players, a linebacker, sentenced to twenty years in prison. Is Tevin Elliott the one? That they had the picture of him, the linebacker, the football player for Baylor. That he was his his abs are showing. It looks like this just behemoth of a man. No, 
No, but uh, that name is also on that list. It's uh, Sean Oakman. So if you go down a little bit further, I'm pretty sure he got arrested for um, yeah. like yeah. either battery, sexual assault. Uh, you no, know, so like Sean. No, but that that's Sean Oakman. But yeah, he he's on that yeah, list re- too. Yeah, Sean Oakman's the one where his picture was going around the the internet of him. Look like a behemoth of a man, yeah. Him at Baylor because he was just a beast of a man. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just and it's sad that yeah, there it is, Sean Oakman. Uh, he was arrested in 2016, sexual assault. Oakman was found guilty. Oh, what sexual against assault? Him. He's uh. Colin, it's really hard for anyone to tell me that Art Bryles didn't know. Because you look at a timeline, you look, again, a, a pattern of behavior. You look at certain red flags, certain way that they go about. And not only that, man, like they, like the, like with Baylor, I think the biggest thing was, like, not just the fact that it's happening, but just, like, the the hoops that they're jumping through to keep it covered up. Which they call in if you, as you can see, they kind of needed to because of that's a long list of a lot of players committing terrible crimes. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you got not a lot's happening right now. Like it all happens later, but it's not happening right now. And the numbers just keep piling up. I mean, that's did I'm assuming Baylor got, I mean, NCAA came and cracked down on them. They did. Um, I think they. Um, I don't remember exactly the the punishment. I, I just know just the big one. Obviously, Art President, and um, I think there was a. I don't know if they had like a self imposed ban or anything like that, but um, I, I'm not too sure. That that's why. Uh, that's why I think Baylor only reco- uh, recovered with Matt Rule for a little bit, and then you know they they had success with Dave Aranda last year, but they're. Uh, they're not doing too good right now. But, Colin, man, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing the insight. Bro, this has been fantastic. Uh, before you came back in, I was just telling the listeners that, look, it's it's tough to have these conversations, and it's tough to hear stuff like this, and it's really dark, but it's a reality. Like, all this happens. Like, all it, like people like this exist. No, and, you got – And, you know, I kind of – Penn State, you had Sandusky. Uh, I mean, it's just that's a whole other podcast within itself. Is I mean, you just had the, yeah, that's a whole other podcast with just one episode because there's just so much then, to say I mean, about. Then it. there's the other aspect of it, which is not rape or anything. Uh, it's just institutional control, where you had like Nevin Shapiro with Miami and everything, where they were just. Which a lot of the stuff he's doing now apparently could be legal with the NIL and everything. Now, now, now Colin, now, yeah, now. now at the time, yeah, no. Like, looking at him, he's, no. I think he's still in prison for. No, actually, um, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, um, the, he actually got uh, he had like a heart condition and blood. Because uh, I actually read into the read into like what he's doing now. Um, he um, he's out. He's staying with his parents, to my knowledge, because I, Colin, I, I definitely looked. I looked. I, I can promise you this, sir. I looked. 
He has not released his uh, self-proclaimed uh, all-telling book, uh, The Real You, where he, Colin, he was basically going to talk about from like 2002 all the way up to like 2010. He was basically just going to just have like an entire novel of just ratting on people. Well, which, I'm, I will again, point I, out. I, I would have enjoyed I reading point that. Out that whatever he was doing in that time, oh, it was it was in a, that time period. He he learned to steal from his stepdad. His stepdad had a corrupt company where he was stealing from investors. Nevin picked up those tricks. He started one company. It went to shit. Then he started another. He got really good friends with um, uh, like this really big like a uh, real estate like uh, investor, like a real like Colin, kind of like the guy that you like go to, where you're like not Bernie Madoff kind of was, guy you go he, to, but it's like oh well. I mean, he was like, he was the guy where it's like, all right, well, this guy, Nevin, he, he has my money, so he should have your money too. And Nevin was giving him a, a quick little kickback as well. So he even, he even had ref, uh, people referring other potential clients to Nevin as well. So, I mean, it was almost a billion dollar Ponzi scheme. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that, that came cr crumbling down at his feet. But I, I look at the, it's funny, Colin, because it. With, I mean, just with Ponzi schemes, to me, it's funny how those people think that this. Nope, this will never, like, run out. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's just like the, it, it blows my it's, mind. It's just like the girls, where uh, all the girls you'd see in high school selling. It works. I mean, <laughs> those pyramids. It's just like, except on this level, it's a major university. You want to lose ten pounds just yeah, sitting on your couch. But, the damn thing is, is I look at the time period, 2002 to 10. 2001 was the last time they won a national championship, which had the which – which everyone argues is the greatest. I may be a little biased. What? Uh, may be a Are little biased. Uh, the LSU 2019. was – 2019 was the greatest college football. But if the, if I do have to concede that title to a team, the Larry Coker 2001-led Miami Hurricanes. Colin, you or I could have been coaching that team. They were winning a national well, I'm just championship. Looking at, I mean, well, sadly, that's uh, what some people – as a Tennessee fan, that's a sad year because we were – one went away from playing them, which we probably would have been mauled like Ohio State was instead. But either way, I'm just pointing out. Hey, Give us a chance. There's always a chance. Even though two, I will say two, two years later, 2003, Tennessee beat the upset them. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Kellen Winslow was on that team. He was. He was backing up Jeremy Shaw. I believe he was a freshman. Uh, Kellen year. Winslow was on that team. And he, I mean, but, so many good players well, on I that mean, team. How many first-round picks came off that 2001 team? Uh, I, was it like – I mean, not all of them in the same class, but stacked. I think it was like 20-something first-round picks. Uh, I was going to say, uh, for like a, a duration of like four years, yeah, like 20. Because, again, like you had people like Kellen Winslow backing up people like Jeremy Shockey. Like you had people like Jonathan Vilma um, on the team just, uh, you know, just uh, emerging as a young star. And, God, I could – I'm drawing a blank right now probably because of all the bourbon that I've had, Colin, but that team was I ridiculous. I don't know if Andre – uh, Andre Johnson was a part of that team. I remember that. Yeah, like just, they got 
Like they had some players. Warren, well, I, I think Warren back. Sapp was probably that team. They did not beat Ohio State in the national championship. It was Nebraska, which dang Nebraska. That's probably the last time they were in a national championship. And I mean, because you know, it's just. And I feel for Nebraska. I mean, as a Tennessee fan, I, I'm glad we we may knock on wood or out of the the we're no longer wandering in the desert. But Nebraska, who's one of the great teams from the '90s, is still out there wandering, waiting for Moses to come back, take them to the promised land. Uh, it's almost a 40 year mark. I mean, which I mean, I just didn't realize 2001 may have been the last time they were in a national championship, and they got beat. 34 to, I mean, 37 to 14 by this. But, yeah. Crazy how we didn't include Lawrence Phillips into this well, now that I'm, I'm thinking about see, that. I'm looking up to see how many first round picks they had all, for, for Miami? For team. How many? Oh, 38. Yeah, I'd say at least 20. The team were drafted in the NFL. Uh, Oh, dra- I was about to say 38 first-round picks. Good Lord. Okay, let's see. Uh, <laughs> it is, I mean, yeah, it, it it's just a lot of guys came off that team. I mean, so, but back to Shapiro and everything, I was just, I was just pointing out that he's doing all this and they never won a national championship in that time period. Yes, my Mr. Rosser. Uh, it's funny, the podcast episode I actually just released before we did ours, uh, my little ending rant was on Texas and Texas A&M because I was simply pounding the table of money doesn't buy you championships. And it seems as though there's been a pattern of behavior of that <laughs> leading up to now as well. And pattern was, of behavior. Can't ever was, go against it. Why I was thinking Ohio State was because Ohio State beat Miami in 2002 in the national championship. Yes, that was the controversial end that uh, that everyone remembers. But uh, speaking of end, Colin, we got to end this, man. I, I could stay up and talk to you a lot, but I got to go to bed. But before I got to go to bed, I got to edit this. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we really appreciate you being with us again Tough subjects to talk about, but they happen, and it's it's real life. Like Colin said, these are real people. These are real cases. These are real victims. These are real emotions, and it doesn't ever hurt to just simply just be educated on that different side. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have to be like me and kind of just dive right in and just be like, oh, okay, I'll just start listening to Serial Killer Podcasts and just make everything about my mind just a dark, twisted world, but... uh I mean, hey, it's still it's still a chance to really just open up yourself to really just that type of behavior. But, Colin, I really appreciate you coming on, buddy. Cheers to you. I know you got to get to bed. You got a long day of court tomorrow. Hopefully, you don't see any of the these people or anybody like these people that we've talked no, about tomorrow. But even if you do, I'm very confident that you know how to handle yeah, yourself. Yeah, I don't. Th- but, I don't um, think any of these. Uh, most of these guys are now. A couple of them are acquitted and walking around free, but there's but they're looking for their wife, their their dead wife's uh, killer still. Uh, and the others seem to be one. Well, one didn't do it, and then the others are walk are in prison or dead. Uh, like I said, I hope none of like maybe not these, but anyone that's like these individuals, I hope you do not encounter. But 
Ladies and gentlemen, continue to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends, tell your families. Thank you so much for the new listeners. I see the numbers and they are spectacular. Thank you for the love. And Colin, as always, go Tigers. Go balls. Hey, 40-13, man. Ha, 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 ha.